In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was working as a lay youth minister about 10 years ago, I took a group of high schoolers to Whidbey Island off the coast of Seattle. And we were there for a youth pilgrimage to experience the natural beauty of the Pacific Northwest and to encounter God through God's creation. And we planned the trip as a group and we had lots on our itinerary, but I really only wanted to see one thing, Mount Rainier. I love mountains, and I always have, and for me there's something about mountains that speak of God. And I talked a lot about Mount Rainier leading up to this trip, but when we arrived on that rainy June day, the fog was so heavy no mountains could be seen. As we waited for the ferry to Whidbey Island, I was on the lookout for Mount Rainier. As we drove toward our rental on the island, I kept looking for the mountain, And when we arrived, I was so busy unloading the van, I didn't realize that the fog had lifted. And one of our youth yelled from the porch, Jacob, come here. And I said, I'm busy, I'll be there in a moment. And she said, no, come here now. You have to see. And as I rounded the house and looked out across the bay back towards Seattle, there in all its glory was Mount Rainier. The fog had lifted, the rain had stopped, and Mount Rainier rose above the clouds, looming over the green earth below. It's an incredible sight to behold. Now, of course, I remember that beautiful sight of Mount Rainier the first time seeing it, beyond the rising above the Puget Sound, beyond Seattle. But I remember most vividly how excited this high school girl was for me to see it. She couldn't wait to share this incredible sight. Come and see. Jacob, hurry, come now. Our lessons on the second Sunday after the Epiphany are centered around four words. Listen, look, see, and dwell. We are in the midst of the Epiphany season, the period after Christmas and before Lent, when we begin to hear anew the stories of Jesus' ministry, and we begin to recall and are invited into the story of Christ's revelation to the entire world. And the architects of our lectionary, the cycle of readings that we read on a Sunday morning, the architects are inviting us into this story, bidding us just as Jesus invited his disciples to come and see. It begins with our reading from Isaiah. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. Isaiah is setting the scene for what we are soon to hear from John the Baptist, that the whole world, peoples from far away and those who are close, all are to pay attention, to listen, to see the new things God is about to accomplish. No one is left out. The disciples who are by Jesus' side, the Magi from the East, people from far-flung corners of the world, all are included, even us. Pay attention. Listen. 
And then John the Baptist takes the stage. Look, look, here is the Lamb of God. John points to Jesus. John testifies about Jesus and puts to rest a debate about who is greater. Here is the Lamb of God. Don't look at me. Look to him. Listen and look. But after John points to Jesus, Jesus begins to walk away with two of the disciples following close behind. They've just begun to learn who Jesus truly is. They don't yet fully get it. But Jesus turns to them and says, what are you looking for? And they respond with the question, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. Listen, look, see. Now it's important to note that when the disciples ask, where are you staying? The Greek word here is actually dwell. Where are you dwelling? Perhaps the disciples were truly curious about where Jesus was sleeping that night, but it's just as plausible that their question was grasping for a deeper truth. Where are you dwelling? Where is your essence? What is your ministry? What are you about to do that will upend our lives in this weary world? How can we dwell with you in that place? How can we dwell in you? And Jesus responds, come and see. Listen, look, see, dwell. If these words this morning are not simply telling the story, but providing us an invitation as well, then how might we listen? How might we look? How might we see and dwell? It's important to remember that as John the Baptist was preparing the crowds to encounter the Lamb of God, John was first calling them to repentance. The Greek word in the New Testament we translate as repentance is metanoia, which means to turn, to stop and face the other direction. It literally means to change one's mind. We often think of repentance as it relates to personal sin, a list of do's and don'ts that we tend to trip over. But Pastor Michael Hardin has noted that metanoia's linguistic opposite is literally paranoia. Instead of changing one's mind, it is to stall in one's mind, to be distracted, to refuse change out of fear. So back to the question, where are you staying? It's a question for each of us and for us as a church. Instead of turning, instead of facing a new direction, a direction of life and love and justice, where are we staying? Where are we staying instead of dwelling? And before we can dwell, we must first listen, look, and see. Before we dwell, we must turn and trust that God is doing something new. And because this new thing is in God's hands, there is nothing to fear. It's an apt metaphor for the church in this age. In this age of declining attendance, decreased membership, new financial realities. And I don't mean St. Peter's. We defy most of those trends. 
But if you're around larger church circles enough, you can almost smell the paranoia. What will happen if? We'll never be able to accomplish that. How will we possibly do this? If the church is called to bring hope to the world, what good news is there in a paranoid gospel? Listen, look, see, dwell. How do we listen? First, we listen deeply to the Spirit. We listen for how the Spirit is speaking to us through the Scriptures and the sacraments, how she is speaking through those around us in the pews, through our neighbors in the community. We listen deeply, not out of fear, but out of hope, knowing and trusting that the new thing God is doing will bring us just a bit closer to the inbreaking of God's kingdom on earth. And how do we look? We look with eyes wide open, eyes open to the injustice in our community, eyes open to the suffering, the love, the gratitude, the hope, and the possibility all around us. We look for where God is doing something new, and we trust that Christ is at the very center of that new thing, that new and sometimes scary possibility. And how do we see? Well, seeing is very different from looking, isn't it? You can look at a piece of art without actually seeing it. And as, so as we look for the new things that God is doing, we pray that God will give us eyes to clearly see our place in it all. To see not only the possibility and hope of a just world, but to see the small part we might each play in writing injustice, bringing hope to the poor, release to the captive, comfort to the grieved. And we invite others to come and see with us. How many of you are here because someone at some point in your life invited you to St. Peter's or to some other Episcopal parish or to the Christian faith? Even if you grew up in this tradition, your parents or another guardian invited you to this point. Through baptism and sharing the faith, they too invited you to come and see. We're all beneficiaries of that invitation, and we must seek out those who also need to come and see. When the vestry met last weekend for their retreat, one of our goals for 2020 is to be outside our walls a bit more. We had an example of that yesterday when the Social Justice Committee marched in the MLK uh, parade. And we hosted hospitality on the lawn going through more hot chocolate than you can imagine. It's one way. To be outside of our walls is one way for us to issue the invitation. But it requires all of us to muster the courage, to share the excitement, and to say to our neighbors, Look, hurry, come and see. In the midst of all that work, then how do we dwell? Well, we don't just see because Jesus can do us one better. We taste. 
Every week we come to this altar and we are invited to receive the body and blood of Christ. And how it becomes the body and blood of Christ, no one knows, but it does. We use real bread at this service, but I told folks at 8 o'clock that the old joke is not that Episcopalians believe Christ is present. Um, the mystery isn't that Episcopalians believe that it's the body of Christ, but that a wafer can be bread. <laughs> but whether Christ is made present in our faith, in our receiving together, in the actual substance of the bread and wine, or in all of the above, Christ is present. He's present because we know, because he promised he would be. And we receive that presence into our very bodies, praying in those ancient words, grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy son Jesus Christ and to drink his blood, that he may evermore dwell in us and we in him. Listen, look, see, dwell. These are words of invitation, not only for us, but for us to share to share with those who need to hear a word of hope, inviting them to come and see, to look, to listen, to taste, and to dwell. So listen to those around you. Look for the possibility and hope. See how you might be a part of God's work in the world and dwell in Christ, drinking deeply from the faith that will sustain each of us in the work God is calling us to do. It is not easy, but it is that simple. And I believe if we trust that Christ is at the very center of all we're being called to do, by God's grace, our work in this place and beyond these walls will be blessed. Glory to God whose power working in us can do more than we can infinitely ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.